Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hey, Jessica, what's up? I have been looking at my birth chart. I have two things opposite to each other that I'm really, really interested in because I just had a breakup in a relationship and now I'm trying to set my priorities for my next relationship. And I have a Venus opposite Mars. So I think you're saying that that's like feminine opposite masculine sort of, which is really interesting to me. And I have a Uranus on the one side and a North node on the other. Anyway, I think these oppositions are going to be really, really useful to me, according to the internet, at least about how that will affect my relationship path. And I really want to set my priorities for what I want in the future. So I was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking to me about those oppositions that I have in my chart. My birthday is September 26, 1980, 1231 p.m. in Toledo, Ohio. Thank you so much for sending me this question. It's important in ways you wouldn't expect. Trust me. So I listened to your question several times and I confirmed that you were in fact born September 26, 1980 at 1231 p.m. in Toledo, Ohio. And I am repeating this because the oppositions you are naming are strictly inaccurate. (laughs) I picked your question because there is a lot of misinformation out there. And what I've noticed in my private practice, because of course I meet with clients all the live long day. What I've noticed in my private practice over the past couple of years is that now that people are starting to have more access to astrology and Googling it and reading blog posts, they're coming in with questions from these blog posts that they're reading. And they're often just kind of a little bit out there. They're kind of not necessarily based in a comprehensive understanding of astrology. And hey, that's chill. You don't have to be an astrologer. You don't have to have a comprehensive understanding about astrology. So I'm glad you wrote in with a question. I just want to say to you and to other people out there, if you're seriously concerned about your chart or about something you're reading, definitely consult with an astrologer before you get too excited one way or another, okay? Because as I look at your chart, you do not have a Venus-Mars opposition. You do not have a Uranus opposition to the North Node. None of those things are true, unless, of course, you've given me the wrong birthday. You do have a Venus conjunction to the North Node. You do have a Mars conjunction to Uranus. And your Mars conjunction to Uranus is square to your Venus-North Node conjunction. Okay, the first thing is, The idea of Venus and Mars, whether they're square or opposite, being a tension between the feminine and the masculine. That is an interesting thing for me to hear that you got from me, because on the one hand, I think that that's, you know, very accurate appraisal based on how astrology has been talked about historically. I hope it's not an accurate appraisal based on how I've talked about astrology, because Mars is proactivity, it's passion, it's it's the hunter. And Venus is receptivity, it's diplomacy, it's the gatherer. So the thing about these two planets and their energies is they are associated with masculinity and femininity. But I feel really excited about expanding our notions of what masculine and feminine are, and instead really just looking at the energy that we label as masculine and feminine. I don't mean to like abolish all gender notions or gendered notions, but the tension that is present when a person has a Venus-Mars opposition or square, again, in your case, it's a square and not an opposition, 
that tension is between giving and receiving. It's going and doing and waiting for it to happen. That tension can really end up playing out for you in a really like highly gendered feeling way. But if we kind of scratch the surface of that, what we're talking about when we talk about the gendered way is really these stereotypes of gender, these stereotypes of like girl waits for it, boy makes it happen, right? And and we want to throw that away. I don't know, maybe you don't want to, I want to throw it away. We all have Mars on our chart and we all have Venus in our chart, regardless of our gender identity. And how hopefully over the course of your life, your gender experience and expression will morph and change and be a little more Martian, a little more Venusian, a little more balanced. There's this beautiful interplay between the planets that can articulate itself in different ways in different times of our lives. Now, the other thing is, whenever I see a Venus-Mars opposition or square, I'm not worried about it. To me, this is really just a dynamic component to your nature. It makes you motivated to be in relationships. So motivated Mars, relationships, Venus. And the thing about that motivation is it is spurred on by the red line between Venus and Mars, the square in this case. The thing that's really, really interesting here is that you have a Mars-Uranus conjunction and it's in the 12th house. And this Mars-Uranus conjunction inclines you to be restless and to really want your freedom and to feel really trapped when you have to make compromises, even sometimes compromises that you are happy to make. They can make you feel trapped. And then by direct contrast, you have four planets in the sign of Libra, the most compromising of all the signs, and Venus conjunct the North Node. What this indicates is that there's something within you that says, I shouldn't be too assertive. I shouldn't be agitated or irritable. I shouldn't be too aggressive. And so you are likely to get yourself into situations where you kind of feel like you're pushed to do those things or your back is up against a wall. Or you may struggle with anxiety because when we have anger or frustration and we don't experience and express it directly, it becomes self-criticism. It becomes feeling depleted or exhausted or confused. When I look at this Mars-Uranus conjunction, which right now is actually enjoying a sextile from Pluto. So it's being really activated. Your will, your sexuality, your sense of dynamic self-expression is being activated in a deep, so not completely easy, but harmonious way. And at the same time, because you have Venus conjunct the North Node, a big part of what you've come here in this life to do is to live in accordance with your values. It's to learn how to share of yourself with others in a real way. And so I like your question. I like it that you're asking me about relationships. I should say, just for the record, when you see the North Node, and this is something that's a little complicated about astrology, a lot of what you see, if you're looking at a birth chart, and I will just clarify, a birth chart is not a grid. In Western astrology, a birth chart is always a circle. When you see something like the North Node drawn in a birth chart, Most astrology programs don't draw in also the south node, but astrologers know that wherever the north node is, in the exact opposite point is the south node. And we pay attention to the south node and we read it as though it was there, even though many astrology programs don't write it in. I know it's a little confusing. Astrology is complicated. I mean, I didn't make it up. It just is. Similarly, when you're looking at, quote, empty houses, which, you know, you have the second, third, fourth, uh, seventh, they're all empty. Okay. All those houses are empty. 
when you see empty houses, it looks like, oh, there's nothing there. But astrologers are able to see when we look at the chart that there is a sign on the house cusp and there may also be a different sign within that house. And we always look to the ruling planet of the sign on the house cusp to gain extra layers and layers of data about what's happening in that house. So there's all this stuff that is not materially written into the chart that when you learn astrology, you know to read. In your question, the way you framed it was you have a Uranus opposition to the North Node. Astrologers will generally call that a Uranus conjunction to the South Node. But again, the South Node was probably not written in the chart you were looking at, and that's very normal. doesn't mean it wasn't there. It just means you didn't know to look for it. You didn't know that the North Node is always opposite the South. So that's a little, you know, astrology aside for you to consider, but it is irrelevant for you personally, my dear because Uranus is not at all conjunct or opposite any of your nodes, okay? Okay? It is forming a square to your North Node, though, and your South Node. But let me focus on the Venus. The Venus conjunction to the North Node is vastly important, reiterated by the fact that you have a stellium, which is a concentration of three or more planets in the sign of Libra. This means that relationships are a huge part of what you're here to do. So here's, here's the rub, my dear. Compromise is easy for you. Getting to a point where you feel like your back is pushed up against the wall and you need to come out fighting with rules and regulations, that actually is something that you really know how to do. But what's incredibly hard for you is boundaries. Boundaries. It's saying to yourself, huh, is this dynamic working for me? Can I tell what I'm actually feeling? Oh, I guess I need to go and hang out alone in my room. And really like sit with my feelings to figure out what am I actually feeling. It's easy for you to get a crush on other people's crushes on you. It's easy for you to get wrapped up in what you should do, should feel, what the other person wants, what the other person needs, where the other person's coming from, often at the expense of knowing what's happening for you. What that does is it leads to you being disingenuous, to saying you're okay with something that you're not, to acting in ways that you honestly can't sustain that aren't true for you. It can get you into serious trouble in your relationships. This is further reiterated by the fact that you've Neptune in the first house. Now, Neptune in the first house indicates that people project onto you, right? It indicates that people assume that you're sweet and you're nice and you're chill and they just kind of see whatever they want. Now, you may be sweet and nice and chill, but you have a Saturn conjunction to the sun in the 10th house. You've got a Mars-Uranus conjunction. You're also a total badass. You also have really strong opinions about yourself and the world. And when people piss you off, you get mad. Now, I don't know if you get mad out loud. I don't know if you express that anger or frustration until it's overflowing. There are a lot of indications that you might not. My hope for you is that you don't let other people's feelings or needs or worse, your projection of or your assumptions about other people's feelings and needs override your willingness and ability to notice what you feel and what you need. Because the reality is relationships are compromise. But if I'm compromising a ton and I'm not paying attention to myself and I don't know what I actually feel and what I actually need, and you actually know what you need and you know what you want and you know who you are and you're compromising in a healthy way, I'm going to actually hate that. (laughs) I'm going to feel like I'm turning myself inside out for you. 
right? So the reality of the situation is if you want to be in a healthy relationship and you find a really healthy partner who you like and you love and you have great sex with and all the things, but you don't know how to listen to your own inner voice and you don't know how to clearly communicate I know we have plans tonight, but I'm actually like really stressed out about a work thing and I need to cancel or I need to totally change our plans. Like if you don't know how to just assert a boundary, then we're not going to have a healthy relationship because I won't know where the middle is because you haven't told me. We are all responsible for how we show up. We are all responsible for what we bring to the table. When we look at this larger question that you have of like, you got out of a relationship. Congratulations. It needed to happen (laughs) from what I can see. You got out of a relationship and you're trying to figure out who do you want to be? How do you want to date? And you know, I should tell you, this is the perfect time for that because you're going through your Pluto square to Pluto. Uranus is conjunct your moon. You're changing. You are going through, and there's other things as well happening, I should say, but you're, you're changing in meaningful ways. You're growing into yourself in some ways in kind of scary and deep ways. And then in the context of Uranus, it's exciting and dynamic and new. And what this all looks like is don't worry about who to date. Don't get, I, I, yeah, get that out of your head. It's not necessary. Who to date is the wrong thing to think about. What to look for is the wrong thing to think about. That's the wrong thing to think about because you're thinking about other people instead of yourself. What I want to encourage you to do is to know your limits, know your boundaries. So if I was queen of the world, what I would have you do is I would have you set up kind of a sense of what your boundaries should be in terms of contact. Because you have a Pluto-Mercury conjunction, you have a tendency when you catch feels for someone to want to insta-stalk them to want to text all the time, to be in constant contact. And that kind of contact obscures your ability to check in with yourself. It makes you kind of addicted to getting attention and engaging instead of checking in with, am I nervous because I'm excited or am I nervous because something's off? Am I into this person because they're cute or am I into this person because they're cute and a good person? So I would encourage you to moderate the amount of contact you have in the first couple of months. I would encourage you, of course, and maybe this is not worth saying, but I got to say it, to have safer sex with whoever you're hooking up with until you have a clear monogamous agreement. And I think this is worth saying because there's a lot of things in your chart that indicate you have a hard time with boundaries. And having a hard time with boundaries, I mean, boundaries are literally, you know, safer sex, latex, right? It's also about verbally and behaviorally asserting, I like you, but not more than I like being well in my body. (laughs) I would also encourage you to really moderate your sleepover parties. When you have Neptune in the first house and you have the moon in the fifth house, both of which you have, when you have such a strong Libra presence in the chart, a strong Venus, you can get really attached to the comfort of having someone near you. And so when you have a sleepover party with someone, when you're starting to date them, it can be like, oh, finally, I found a home. I'm, I'm there. And that's actually a bit of a dangerous feeling because it, it kind of inhibits you to stop digging deeper. What that inclines you to do is to start picking at yourself. And that doesn't do you or the person you're dating any good. If you can really focus on what are healthy ways for me to engage with dates, you know, with people I'm going on dates with. What are healthy boundaries for me to maintain the next time I meet someone who's exciting? What are the ways that I know that I want to be engaging with a person? What are the dynamics that I want in a dating scenario? 
similarly, but differently, what are the dynamics that I want in a relationship scenario? Because unless you start dating your best friend, you're not going to start off in a relationship. Ideally, you're going to start off dating stranger danger. And when you date stranger danger, it's exciting, but it's not the same as being in a partnership or a relationship. So I want to encourage you to really hold space for the difference between those things. What are appropriate expectations of somebody you're dating for a while, let's say four months, versus somebody that you've made an informed decision to be in a relationship with, right? These are different things, and they actually should have different expectations. So there's two big questions I'm answering for you today. One is astrological, and it was based on a misunderstanding of astrology. I do have a free birth chart tool on my website, which is if you go to my website at lovelenyato.com, there's a free stuff tab and you can click on it. And then there's a button that says your birth chart. And you know you can use it that way. I didn't create it. I just host it. But then there's this other bigger question, the real question, which is about relationships. And I want to end with this. You are in a place in your life where you are growing by leaps and bounds. When Uranus sits on top of the moon, it's a once in a lifetime event. Doesn't happen to everyone. It's a real big deal. And if you can practice being present, present for yourself, present for your experiences, instead of future, you will get the most out of this transit. If what you're looking for is your life partner or, you know, your next meaningful relationship, you're stepping in with an agenda and you are projecting your needs onto stranger danger. That's actually not, not well starred right now for you. And I'm not saying that you can't get into a long-term meaningful relationship at all. I'm saying the approach that you take is really important. And I want to encourage you to take an approach of presence, really be present, present for who you are and who the other person is and what stage of development your union is at. Whether it's, we've had two dates. I think maybe I like them, but I don't really know them. Or it's something deeper. Don't confuse how you feel about a person with the evidence you have of who they are. Don't treat someone you're just starting to date like a partner. Partnership is earned. My loves, my puppies, my kittens, partnership is earned. Let a person earn it. Sit with the discomfort of not knowing what it is or where it's going. If you need to, you know, obsess on someone, obsessively talk to your friends. Not only about that, because friends are not there just to be the receptacle of your stress when you have crushes. That's not what a friend's for. I mean, it's part of it, but if that's all you're using your friends for, that sucks for your friends. So anyways, That is my advice to you, my dear. Be here, be excited, be interested, but don't be future, be present. It's horoscope time again, and it is my favorite time of the week. I'm not gonna lie to you. So this week we're looking at June 26th through July 6th, 2019, and there's a lot going on astrologically. We have an eclipse on the 2nd. We're going to unpack this in a meaningful way in a moment. But before we do, I want to say that a week from the day this episode drops, on the 7th of July, we have Mercury retrograde. Now, Mercury retrograde (laughs) is a meaningful transit talk about it more next week, but we're in the shadow period. What the shadow period really is, is it's kind of like Mercury usually walks through the sky, tra-la-la, does its damn thing. Mercury's communications, it's texting, DMs, emails, talking, your, your ideas, your attitudes, all that kind of crap. And when it's retrograding, it appears to be moving backwards. So things function in a kind of, you know, haphazard way because they're moving backwards. In the shadow period, aka this week, it's kind of like things start to stand still. 
there's not as much movement. And so sometimes you can really feel this shadow period and sometimes not so much, but you can kind of start preparing for Mercury retrograde by being exceptionally clear with the people you care about, making sure you check your DMs, making sure your email was sent, clarifying plans, that kind of good stuff. Now, as we get into your horoscope, which as I promised we would, we start off with the 2nd of July. We have an eclipse at 12.16 p.m. Pacific time at 10 degrees of Cancer. Eclipses always happen in pairs. And what this means is right now we have an eclipse. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have another eclipse. So the first one is a solar eclipse, which means it is a new moon in Cancer. And then the next one will be a lunar eclipse, which is a full moon. And that's in Capricorn because Cancer and Capricorn are opposite signs. So we're not talking about the lunar eclipse. But it's important to know that these things happen in pairs. So the reason why we're not talking about the lunar eclipse right now is because there's enough to talk about with this solar eclipse. But truly, when I talk to you about this solar eclipse, I want you to know it does not exist in isolation. And my consideration for the lunar eclipse is coming through because nothing in astrology happens in isolation. And certainly when we talk about eclipses, they're kind of combined efforts from the moon, okay? It's it's important for you to consider that. It's an interconnected event. This particular eclipse is in the sign of Cancer. Cancer is the sign that governs the moon itself. And what that does is it intensifies emotions, not just your emotions, not just your bestie's emotions, but everyone's emotions. So you can expect people to be more tender, more reactive. If you tend towards Being an emotional person, this might be really lovely for you because everyone's on your team now. Everyone's emo too. Or if you're really uncomfortable with emotion, you might feel particularly shut down or defensive just because emotions are heightened. Now, this particular new moon chart is what I would consider to be quite a powerful one. On the one hand, I look at this chart and I think to myself, okay, there's actually a lot of really lovely things happening. We have this Neptune square to Jupiter, which increases humanitarian concern. It increases spiritual concern. We also have Mercury and Mars pretty close to each other, which could be kind of like an agitating aspect, but it's also a motivating aspect. It puts fire under your ass to figure things out, to speak your mind. What deeply concerns me within this chart is actually the fact that Uranus is forming a square to that Mars-Mercury conjunction. All the stuff is a little wide. None of it is exact. However, it's worth mentioning. It would be easy to feel your feelings and jump to conclusions, to have a thought and let it rip forth from your mouth or from your fingers if you're texting or tweeting or whatevering. And I urge you don't do it. Because we are in the shadow of Mercury retrograde, because we are dealing with so much Cancerian energy, and because Saturn is conjunct the South Node in Capricorn, very close to Pluto also in Capricorn. Because of all of these things, we don't need more noise, my loves. We don't need more noise. If you've got something to say, make it valuable. If you don't know what to say, you don't need to talk. You can listen. And this is a time where we really must figure out who do we want to listen to and what do we think. This might seem a little like a weird thing to say, but I think about branding a lot. Because politicians brand things, spiritual people brand things, everybody's branding something, whether you think about it that way or not. Everybody's got a brand. This is a period in particular because Neptune is in the sign of Pisces. 
this is a period where we really need to become not more savvy, but more present with what we're responding to when we are responding to a person or an idea or a piece of news. Because if we respond only to the way it's presented, then we're really responding to the branding of it. And what I want to encourage you to do is to know that we are living in a very uh, mercurial world. It's very visual. And, you know, the best branding, the best SEO is not necessarily the best ideas. When we look at the world around us, there are so many things happening, so much exciting art, so many exciting things being created and innovated. There are so many ideas to explore. There's so much news to consume and adorable videos of kittens and puppies. However, there's also a lot in the realm of human atrocities. There is also terrible oversteps of government occurring, not just in the United States, although certainly here, but in a lot of nations. We have more information about what's happening. More and more people are being called to civic duty and civic engagement, which I'm really excited about. But if it's not heartfelt, if it's not in response to what is really true for you or what's actually happening, if it's instead in response to how it's branded or marketed to you, then it ends up being a well-intentioned blah, blah, blah. Because we are having a solar eclipse in the sign of cancer, we must consider how we are emotionally participating. We must also consider children and families. And of course, in the United States, we have this mass incarceration of vulnerable children and vulnerable adults. We have families that have been ripped apart. And we have corporate greed and governmental, I mean, inhumanity at the helm of those things. This news coming out during eclipse season, when we have the sign Cancer and the sign Capricorn at play, is not a mistake. Hashtag astrology works. The reality is we need to look at the lack of humanity that is present in the fabric of the corporations that rule us and the government that rules us. We need to look at the way that government is structured and the way that corporations are interwoven into that. It's happening on a societal level and it will directly impact you. And you have choice about whether or not you want to be a part of that conversation. If you want to be a part of what happens to this world and in this world, you have a choice. When I look at this chart, I want to say that the problems that we have in the world at large are not going away. They're not going away. We are going to either deal with them head on and with heart, or we're going to respond to punishing and cruel behavior with punishing and cruel behavior, right? We'll fight fire with fire, or we'll try to actually dismantle the system that doesn't work in the way we want it to. I mean, the system works really well for what it was built for, right? But it doesn't work well for people, for the people. On a societal level, this is the time, if you do energy work, to light up the evil in this world, to light up the cruelty in this world. On a practical term, this means signal boost. Talk about things. Light it up. Put it in a spotlight. Don't be shy. This is not the time for your politeness or your shyness. Light it up on an energy level by literally, on the new moon, lighting a candle. Lighting a candle that you throw your intentions into of letting the world see the evil that men do. And women. I mean, it's not really a gendered thing, but it's a little bit of a gendered thing, but it's not. So that's what you can do on a societal level. On a personal level, eclipses, when they directly impact your chart, are very personal to you. And so I can't, in the podcast, effectively tell you how it's going to impact you. But what I can effectively tell you is that 
It requires your emotional presence, not your agenda, not your desire to avoid pain or not make mistakes. That's not going to work. But what you can get into is emotional presence, responding with kindness, compassion, and presence. That's really what the eclipse wants from you. You know, people often ask me, how can I prepare for an eclipse? You can't really prepare for an eclipse, in my view. You can prepare by being a decent person and living in accordance with your values. You can prepare by showing up, by taking responsibility for the ways that you can and can't show up. You can do that work, but you can't really do it a couple weeks before the eclipse because you found out the eclipse was happening. It's more of a practice. It's a dedication to your life. The path is the work. And the more you stay on the path, the easier the work gets, the deeper the work gets. You can't really drop in and drop out of the path and expect consistent, meaningful results, unfortunately. I don't know. Maybe you can. I don't want to tell you what's possible, but that's my take on it. That's my sense of things. So another word about the eclipse. You have power, right? You have power. I don't know how much power you have. I don't know you, but I'll say that you have power. And in a capitalist society, like I live in here in the United States, everything you give your money to is power. You are feeding a machine. When you stop feeding that machine, it stops working as strongly. And if enough of us do that, we are using our collective power. So I want to encourage you to look at who you support, how you support. Use your power. And as I said in last week's episode, if you are interested in actions and resources and you live in the United States, you can go to my Instagram account and there's little bubbles on the bio page and they're called highlights. And you can click on the one called News in Action and there's lots of things I've saved there that are resources. There will be resources there that make sense to you, that feel inspiring to you, that work for your life. Pick a couple of those, use them, do them. Now, on a more personal level, you also have power. You have power in your own life. You have power in what you give your emotional attention and energy to. What you feed will grow. And I urge you to use your power to feed what is generative, what is heartfelt. So your fear, your fear is valid and your fear is something to listen to, but it's not something to feed. So if you're scared of being lonely, if you're scared that if you leave your job, you'll not have enough money, those are really valid fears. Those are fears to listen to. However, you want to listen to the wisdom in them. You want to listen to the content and the information in them instead of feeding them blindly. And when you try to evade the feeling of fear, what happens is you end up feeding it because responding to fear with fear makes the fear stronger. So what I want you to do with your power, even if you only have a teeny tiny bit of it, is to practice being with your feelings. Stay with them and try to figure out what it is. So if, let's say, your fear says, I'm scared of being lonely, then what you really want to be present with is, I want love. And some of that makes me feel sad. And some of that makes me feel scared. And some of that is the honest, heartfelt yearning for love, for giving and receiving love. Okay, that's a good use of the solar eclipse. If the fear is, I'm scared of leaving my job because I won't have enough money. Okay, what's the heartfelt feeling there? It's, this job doesn't work for me. I want financial security and stability. I deserve financial security and stability, and I don't know the path forward yet. And that makes me feel scared and sad. I want to feel joyous. I want to feel happy with what I do, or at least not feel shitty with what I do. 
That's what I'm clear about now. I'm going to bring my light, my energy, my attention to the desire and to what I want for myself instead of obsessing and returning to and feeding that fear. So that is my take on the eclipse for you, my loves. But that's not all. On the third, Venus moves into Cancer. And Venus in Cancer is, uh, you know, it can be a little, a little attachy, a little needy. So pay attention to the theme of attachment in your life. Pay attention to can you love or want without needing it to prove itself to you? Can you allow yourself to be in the emotion of it? It's a really exciting opportunity for this Venus in Cancer time. I also want to name that we have in the United States of America, the 4th of July happening because we're in this eclipse season. And fun fact, don't know if I mentioned this, the sign cancer governs patriotism. So we have these eclipses happening, and in particular, the solar eclipse happening during a very patriotic week here in the United States. And that's interesting. Know that a lot of people are going to be rural keyed up, emotionally keyed up. And the emotions of patriotism can go to defensiveness very easily. So regardless of whether you're really left-leaning, you're pretty in the middle, or you're really right-leaning, you're going to feel very strongly about your feelings, right? You're going to feel really entitled to your feelings about the country that you live in, or the company that you work at, or whatever. And I want to encourage you to just be emotionally aware and present for that. I expect there to be something really important happening in this country. And I want to encourage you to stay associated and to think in terms of parenting, parenting yourself emotionally on a personal level. Think about this land, this innocent, beautiful land that is the country you live in, the home you live in, the block you live on, and to think of it as on some level yours to provide for, yours to care for, yours to parent. And can you be proud of that? Can you be associated with that? How can you show up parentally for your inner child? How can you show up parentally for the very land that you are the steward of? How are you showing up for stewardship in general in your life and in the world and for yourself on a really psychological and emotional level? These are some deep questions And I want to encourage you to explore them in whatever way makes sense for you. Now, my loves, as always, I want to thank you for showing up to this podcast and in your life. I also want to thank you for your subscription to the podcast, for starring it. There are so many beautiful reviews, but I need to share this one. Keltakina wrote, this podcast will change how you articulate your emotions and give you a deeper understanding of the people around you. It's not for the faint of heart. The show will encourage you to work on yourself and seek higher awareness for your emotional experience. Change how you intellectually relate to the universe around you. Full of tender and sweet moments, Ghost of a Podcast has become a weekly ritual for me, and I feel empowered after each episode and go out into the world equipped and open to receive whatever awaits me. I'm so thankful for the show and the amazing work that is being done through it. It is what my heart needs each week. Thank you so much. This review really helps me because the world is rough. It's real rough. And what this review tells me is that what I'm hoping to do with this podcast is really working, at least for you, Kelsukina, at least for you. And I I just thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank everybody who came to my emotional intelligence class, the live webinar I did on June 23rd. It was so amazing, so much fun. 
it allowed me to really kind of go deeper into so much of what I get to touch on in the podcast. So thank you to every single one of you that came. It was cute and awesome. And eventually I'm going to make sure that that webinar is available on my website. I'll let you know when that happens, because honestly, you don't want to miss this class. Loves, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, keep on showing up, keep on doing the work. Okay. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Every year they say the end is near But we're still here Yeah, we're still here